Hello, folks. Welcome back. My name is Nolan Ruby, and I'll be your host. This is the On Being Christian Podcast, and this is episode number 46. Episode number 46, the On Being Christian Podcast, is a ministry of the Wasatch Front Baptist Church here in Salt Lake City. If you are local, folks, I would love to have the honor of meeting you. You can get a hold of us at our website, wasatchfrontbaptistchurch.com. That's W-A-S-A. TCH Front Baptist Church.com. You can also call me directly to the office line. It's listed under the contact link on that website or send me an email. Either way works. I try to answer all the emails I can. Um, I hope you're having a wonderful start to uh, your new year. Uh, I certainly am. Um, I want to ask you a question today. I started off the, uh, the first podcast of the new year with a question last week. Uh, simply, is the God your God? And that's kind of the uh, course that I'd like to take today, but I'm going to switch it up a little bit. And the question, which is the title of this this particular episode, episode number 46, is actually a question directly asked in the Scripture, which is, what manner of man is this? What manner of man is this? It's found in Luke chapter 8. 22 through 25. I'll go ahead and read that and we'll get started. Luke chapter 8, 23, excuse me, 22 through 25 says, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake. And they launched forth. But as they sailed, he fell asleep and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the wind and the water, and they obeyed him. You find this same story in Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, and starting in verse 23, the Bible says here, And when he was entered into a ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, insomuch that the ship was covered with the waves, but he was asleep. And the disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we perish. And he said unto them, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. But the men marveled, saying, What manner of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? Good question. Also found in Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41, looking at all three of the Gospels where this story is manifest. Mark chapter 4, 35 through 41, the Bible says, And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships, 
And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awake him and said unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another, What manner of man is this? that even the wind and the sea obey him? Good question. What manner of man is this? All three of the references from the gospel where this story is told ask the same question. What manner of man is this? In reference to their question before they asked it, the Lord asked a question. He said, where is your faith? Now, the reason that this came to mind, I believe, as we get ready to start a new year, 2024, is that, folks, I don't think I'm telling you anything that you don't know when I tell you that it's not becoming more convenient to be a Christian. It's not becoming more easy. It's becoming more difficult. It's becoming more taxing uh, to live and Uh, practice the doctrine of Scripture biblically to be a Christian. And um, you might find yourself wondering why the Lord is not responding in the same sense of chaos that you and I seem to be responding to things sometimes. And the question you might find the Lord asking you is, where is your faith? To which he will do miraculous things that cause us to ask, what manner of man is this. So let's answer that first question. What manner of man is this? And the question is answered right from the scripture. I want you to understand as you go into the things of 2024, Christ is the sort of man who is at rest in the storm. He's the sort of man who's at rest in the storm. Luke chapter 8 and verse 23 says, but as they sailed, he fell asleep. He fell asleep in the middle of a storm where the Bible makes it very clear that the ships were taking on water. Christ is sleeping. Mark says that he was on a pillow. He was in the back of the ship on a pillow, sleeping. Matthew 8, 24 says there arose a great tempest in the sea. Goes on to say, but he was asleep. There arose a great storm, Mark 4 says, of wind. And he was asleep on a pillow. Let's define some terms here. The word storm is a a word for whirlwind or tempest. And the word tempest itself means a commotion of the air, a gale, if you will, of of ground and air. And so you have uh, uh, a creation of elements at war with each other and the ships in the middle of it. So a storm, you've got the, the wind doing its thing, which is causing the water to do its thing, and the wind and the water are, in essence, fighting, and you're in the middle of that fight. A gale, the Bible says, related to an old Norse word for galen, meaning mad and frantic. 
mad and frantic. So when the whole world was in a fight and commotion, and there was a gale, a gale and a mad and frantic reactions, a tempest, a commotion, a whirlwind, Jesus was at peace. He was sleeping. He was sleeping. If I go to Matthew chapter 24, Folks, these are the types of things and the types of verses. I, I, I read these contexts and I just think, that's who I want my Lord to be. In the world where everything is turned upside down, everything is just up for debate and just flat out combative, Christ is sleeping. Not that he doesn't care, but that he knows what his power is. If I go to Matthew chapter 24... 13 through 14, excuse me, uh, 3, 3 through 14, we get a picture of a storm here. And uh, I think this is very, very much what we're getting ready to see more and more and more of. Matthew chapter 24, if I pick it up in verse 3, it says, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilence and earthquakes in divers places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended and shall betray one another and shall hate one another, and many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold, but he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved." And the gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in all the world for a witness unto all nations, and then shall the end come. Hmm. Then shall the end come, the Bible says. Now, out of all those things that I just read, how many of those things sound very familiar? Deceivers, wars, Rumors of wars, famines, pestilence, earthquakes, sorrows, afflictions, offenses, betrayal, hate, iniquity. These are all things, folks, that are taking place even now. Even now. The Bible says that our God is at rest in the storm. Though you and I as Christians might not be so inclined to be at rest quote-unquote, in such a divisive and combative environment. We serve a God who's very much at rest. He's not taken off guard or surprised by the way in which the world who has rejected God has gone. You see the definitions of these words from Matthew 24, 3, 14, 3 through 14. The, the Bible says deceiving is used. The word deceiving is used, which means to cause to roam or to go astray. I read an article a while back talking about the decline of those who have uh, any sort of faithfulness or holding to even the word Christian, the title Christian. It's becoming less and less and less. 
We have a generation of roamers. In fact, it wasn't one of these generations far too back, far, very far back at all, referenced as the lost generation. Wanderers, roamers, not really having any purpose. The Bible says wars and rumors of wars. The word war there means a bustling, a battle, a fight. Boy, we have wars going on in the Ukraine. We've got wars going on between ideological groups and the nation of Israel. We have just about as close as you can possibly get to class wars and race wars going on in our own country. Wars and rumors of wars and fightings and misgivings and hatreds. I want you to understand something, folks. You and I may be frightened by these things. You and I may be turned upside down by these things, but our God's not surprised by them. What manner of man is this? Well, he's at rest in these things. He's not intimidated by them. You see the word pestilence pop up there in Matthew chapter 24. Pestilence is a word for plagues and disease. We just literally came through what they called a uh, outbreak, if you will, the 2020, 2021, the, the COVID nonsense that swept the globe instantly. The Bible uses the word pestilence to describe those types of things. Folks, those are happening right now. And the churches may have closed and Christians may have stopped being Christian. People may have stopped going to church. But God's not surprised by these things. He's still a man at rest in the storm. The words earthquakes is used, which is the same exact word for tempest. Tempest. Uh, one of the, the forms of the storm. The word sorrows to describe the storm is used, which is a word for pain or travail, things we go through. The word afflictions is used, which is pressure or anguish or burdened persecution and tribulation and trouble. These are just some of the words that Matthew chapter 24 uses to describe the storm that Christianity will face. And Luke 8, Matthew 8, and Mark 4 all talk about a God who's at rest in the storm. The word offended is a word that's used, which is to scandalize or to entrap or to entice to sin. It's interesting to me, so many times the word offended now has been assigned to people who react a certain way based off my lack of acceptance of their subjective truth. So in other words, someone can come and say to me, um, I am this, and they clearly are not. And if you don't call me what I have decided that I subjectively am, apart from objective truth, then I will be offended. The Bible actually says that word offended means to scandalize or to entrap or to entice someone to sin or to lie. And so to tell me that you would not be, or excuse me, that you would be offended if I don't refer to you in the lie that you've lived your life by is actually an offense to me. That doesn't matter, though. In the world of um, social politics and, and victimized ideologies, you know, grievance politics. It doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter. It's just uh, living in a world of offended people. The Bible says God's not 
really upset by any of this. He's at rest in all of this. The word hate is used, which is just a term for detesting or persecuting. And the word iniquity is used, which is a, a word for illegality. Uh, it's a violation of law, illegality. It's unrighteousness. And so Matthew chapter 24 lays out some very clear pictures of what it means to be a Christian in the last days, in the days in which the world is increasingly becoming more antagonistic towards those who proclaim the life proclaim the name, excuse me, of Jesus Christ and try to live their life in keeping with the life of Jesus Christ. There's a storm coming, if not we're already in it in some level. And the Bible says that God, Jesus Christ, is at rest in the storm. In all of these things, in all of these realities, Christ remains at rest because of what sort of man he is. And so we see here, folks, the men, the disciples that were with him, they said, what, what sort of man is this? What manner of man is this? The first answer to that question is he's a man at rest. He's not offended. He's not surprised. He's not scared or nervous or, or taken back by the direction that we have taken. He's not surprised by it. He saw it coming. You can't reject God for just generation after generation and have anything worth having. Jesus Christ knew that. So the storm's coming. The nation's very politically divided, very ethnically uh, divided, even though we were founded to be ethnically diverse. And together in that, we're, we've started to divide along those ethnic lines. We're very religiously and politically divided. We're, we're, we're just divided. And the result of that is a storm. A storm that results or that produces famines and earthquakes and pestilences and deceivings and offenses and, and iniquities. And the Bible says Christ, very much physically in his in his life on earth as he was teaching his disciples, but also even now inside my heart, you as a Christian, as a new creature, folks, you can be at rest in the storm. You don't have to be so given over to the political talking heads that make you feel like every single thing is an end-of-the-universe topic. I have absolutely had to turn off talk radio because every time I get anywhere close to it, I come away thinking that there's no hope. There's absolutely no hope, and that's a lie. And, and, I, and, it, and the answers that they offer are not the answers. It's not about getting the right president in or voting for the right law or any of that, folks. It's about what sort of manner of man is this, directly talking about Jesus Christ. So number one, he's at rest in the storm. Number two, let's talk about his ability in the storm. Luke chapter 8. In our text, Luke chapter 8 in verse 24, the Bible says, And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was calm. It just stopped. They, they never once asked him to do what he did. They don't, it's almost like they didn't understand that he could command calm and quiet anywhere. They just said, Lord, you don't even care that we're dying. And his response was, where's your faith? And he calmed the storm. We serve a Savior whose ability in the storm 
is to comb the storm. Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Mark 4, 39, he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being there? Imagine going to the underbelly back part of the ship and telling Jesus Christ, you don't even care. We're all dying and you're in here sleeping. Don't you care? And watching him rise from sleep and vocally command the wind and the water to be still. The Bible says he rebuked them. The word rebuked is a word that means to tax upon, uh, at, like to admonish or forbid. And then he said, be calm, which is a word for tranquility. And so in the storm, you have a God who has ability like you and I don't even have the capacity to imagine. He simply vocally commanded the quell, the, the squall, if you will. He vocally commanded. He said, hey, that's enough. And the wind and the water stopped. And those disciples were sitting there looking at that going, what, in, what manner of man is this? Praise the Lord, folks. That's my Savior. That's Jesus Christ. I remember the day he, 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 uh, he silenced the storm in me. Oh, there was a storm in me. I grew up in a way that kind of encouraged some of that. I was a rageful, rageful man. And whenever I got too far away from the Lord, even after my salvation, the first thing that always popped its ugly head up was the storm inside my own soul. Boy, I'd get so angry at things. I'd get so hot over things and combative over things. And the Lord would tell me and the storm within me, hey, that's enough. Be still. There's a verse in the Bible that says, be still and know that I am the Lord. I love that. I absolutely love that. So what manner of man is this? Well, he's at rest in the storm, number one, and he has all ability in the storm. There's a section in Job. It's actually four chapters, chapter 38, 39, 40, and 41, and even part of 42 that goes on, and, and, and God himself is talking to Job, and he asks Job a, a whole series of, of rhetorical questions because Job's very angry and he goes to God and Job's in it, right? He's in the storm of life. He's lost his children. He's lost his servants. He's lost his land and cattle and possessions and wealth and influence. He's lost his health. And uh, he has three friends come and visit him and they're no help. They're just absolutely accusatory in their own right. And Job ends up talking to God, and he, he gets a little bit angry with God, and then God answers Job, and for four chapters, goes on, five, five chapters, he goes on asking Job question after question after question, rhetorical questions along the lines of, Job, where were you when I did this? And Job, who, what were you doing when I did this? And at the end of all of those questions, Job simply had this to say. He said, Lord, God it is too wonderful for me. I will lay my hand on my mouth and speak no more. 
<laughs> Let me. I wrote some of these down. These things the Lord did. I don't have time to read all the verses, but you find in in uh, chapter thirty-eight. These are the things that He did. He laid the foundations of the earth. He laid the measures thereof. He laid the cornerstone thereof. He shut up the sea with doors. He made the cloud, the garment thereof, the thick darkness. He he break it. He set bars and doors. He commanded the morning. He entered into the springs of the sea. He walked in the search of the depths. He seen the doors and the shadows of death. He's perceived the breadth of the earth, the way where light dwelleth. Darkness, the place thereof where darkness dwelleth. He entered into the treasures of snow, the hail of it. His way is the light parted. He, he understands how light is separated and part. He scattereth the east wind. He divideth the courses of the water. A way for lightning and for thunder. He causes it to rain on the earth. He satisfies the desolate, causes the bud to bloom. He brings forth all things that come forth. Whose womb came the ice, hoary frost. He binds the sweet influences of the Pallades. These are uh, loose the bands of Orion, brings forth Mazaroth, guides Arctic, uh, Arcturus. These are uh, constellations of stars in the sky. He knows the ordinances of heaven, sets the dominion thereof on the earth, lifts his voice to the clouds, sends lightnings, puts wisdom in the inward parts, gives understanding to the heart, numbers the clouds, stay the bottles of heaven. He hunts the prey of the lion, provideth for the raven his food. That's all just chapter 38. Chapter 39, he knows the time, the wind, the wild goats, the hinds, number of the months and of these that fulfill them, set out the wild ass free, loosed the bands, the unicorn be willing to serve him, binds the unicorn with a band, gave us the goodly wings unto the peacock, wings and feathers under the ostrich, deprived her of wisdom and understanding, given the horse strength, Closed his neck, clothed his neck with thunder. The hawk flies by his wisdom, wisdom, and stretches her hands and wings to the sky. The eagles mount up at his command. That's all verse chapter 39. Chapter 40, thunder is his voice. Majesty and excellency are his arraignment. Glory and beauty. Chaste and broad, rage and wrath, tread down the wicked. Behemoth is something that he made. The mountains bring forth his food. Draw, he draws out Leviathan with a hook. He makes many supplications with soft words. Made a covenant with them, takes him, the servant plays with him, binds him, fills his skin with barbed irons. This is all talking about the Leviathan. And spears, who is able to stand before me? Who hath prevented me? Whosoever is under the whole heaven is mine. Discover the faith of uh, the face of his garment. He goes on four chapters over and over and over again. He says, Job, where were you when I did all these things? Where were you when the storms were real bad and I quieted them all? Who are you to ask me why I do the things I do? I am at peace in the storm. 
I have full ability in the quiet as in the storm. In fact, I can produce quiet from the storm. And Job said, it's too wonderful for me. I will land up, lay my hand on my mouth and speak no more. He says, once, yea, twice, but I won't speak again. Sometimes, folks, we go through things in life and we say, God, don't you care? Don't you care what I'm going through? Don't you recognize? And the Lord's at peace. And the Lord has made that peace available to you and me. It says sometimes we don't accept the peace of God. We want it to be peaceful as we define it. And sometimes God says, no, it's my definitions that matter. If you're with me, I'm at peace in the storm. If you're with me, I am at full ability in the storm. When you're not with me, is it any wonder that you're not at peace and don't have any ability? You're not with the one who has all peace and who has all ability. The third thing we see to answer the question, what manner of man is this, is God's expectation in the storm. God's expectation. Luke chapter 8 and verse 25, the Bible says, And he said unto them, Where is your faith? Matthew 8, 26, Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith? Mark chapter 4, verse 40, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And so you say, well, I'm going through it. The Bible says that God's expectation of you is that you have faith while you're going through it. He will be at rest in the storm. He's not shy or short of ability in the storm. And he'll simply ask you, while he's in the storm with you, where is your faith? Why, did you think I brought you in here to hurt you? I was never going to let anything happen to you. What are you doing? Why are you so fearful? Mark 40, verse 4. Why are ye so fearful? When you make the habit of your life about knowing and remembering who Jesus is, then when the storms and the tempest of life come, it won't be so unnerving because you know the ability of the one who is with you. You must always remember who is in the ship with you. You say, well, I don't know about that. Well, if I've accepted Jesus Christ, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you're not in the ship alone. And the ship may be going through trials. And you, your ship may be traveling through a war between the water and the sky itself. You must always remember three things. God's in the boat with you, and he's at rest. God's in the boat with you, and he has all the ability in all the world. And number three, God's in the boat with you, and his expectation of you is that you, because of his ability and because of his rest, are at rest yourself and trust in his ability yourself. You see this expectation of faith all throughout the Bible. If I take you to Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. Hebrews is commonly referred to as the hall of faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Let's see if I can get this to go there. I'm going to jump over there in my Bible. My program has decided to not work. 
Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6. The Bible says here, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. He said without faith it is impossible to please him. What's God's expectation of us when we're going through the storm? That we have faith. Very simple. Nothing very much more than that. Chapter uh, Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11, and I'll start in verse 22, and I'll read just 22 and 23. The Bible says here, And Jesus answering said unto them, Have faith in God. For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say unto this mountain, Be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. (laughs) Now, folks, as I read this, I'm looking out the window of my office at the Wasatch Mountains, and I have this picture in my head of me taking this very literally and going into those mountains and saying, all right, um, jump into the Atlantic. And if I say that with faith, that's exactly what happens. At some level, I think what the Bible is actually trying to tell us here is not just that, but that my faith, the amount of faith that God would see fit to answer my prayers, the amount of faith on my part to God that God would say, hey, I can work with that, is so tiny and so minuscule, and yet still I struggle with even that. Because in the storm... It's my faith in the one who's at rest and who has all ability that matters. It's my faith that matters. If I go to Proverbs chapter 3, whoop, excuse me, Proverbs chapter 3, I've got my little setup here in my program that I used, just decided that it was done working. So I'm just uh, kind of calling an audible here. Proverbs chapter 3, 5 through 7, the Bible says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart, and lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. You see, sometimes when we're in the storm, we immediately start to put together all the little things that say, well, this is what I got to do. This is what I got to do. This is how this works. And the Bible says, no, don't don't lean into your own understanding on these things. That's not where success is found. It says, trust in the Lord with all mine heart. Lean not into thine own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him. So when you're in the storm, acknowledge him. When you're facing all of the things that we saw that we are sure to face, laid out in Matthew chapter 24, the deceivings and wars and famines and pestilence and earthquakes and sorrows and afflictions and offenses and betrayals and iniquities and hate. Folks, when we're laid out with all of those things and the storm is at our front door, the Lord says in God's word, relax, be still, have faith in me, I've got it. Now I know that's easier said than done, but nonetheless, it's true. Second Corinthians chapter 5 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7, the Bible has a couple thoughts to say on this, 2 Corinthians 
5 and verse 7, the Bible says, For we walk by faith, not by sight. We walk by faith. As a Christian, sometimes we like to try to take over. We like to try to, ah, Lord, I think I've got this. My experience should count for something, should it not? Lord's given me a brain. I should be able to put these things together. And the Lord, through God's word, says continuously to us, it's not about what you know, it's about what you believe. It's about my, my ability, not your ability. John chapter 11 and verse 40, John eleven forty says this, And Jesus saith unto her, Said I not unto thee, that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of of God. All of these verses on faith, Jesus said, this is a, he's, he's writing about the, this is after Lazarus died, and uh, one of his sisters came and said, Lord, if you'd have been here, this wouldn't have happened. He said, didn't I tell you, if you had faith, it'd be okay. And so the moral of the story here, folks, is I think we're, as Christians specifically, getting ready to potentially go through things and see things that you and I might define as a storm. And that storm, the Bible says, is a very real thing that could very much sink our boat. But I want you to always remember, who's in the boat with you? If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior and you're living your life in accordance with the doctrine of the Word of God, uh, He's in the boat with you. Jesus Christ Himself is in the boat with you. What does that mean? Well, it means that He's at rest in the things that you and I are not at rest in. It means that when you and I have zero ability, which is much sooner in most situations than you and I accept, he has all ability. He can rise up and verbally command the non-animate things of this universe to be still and to be at peace and to be at rest and to be calm, and they obey and sometimes we look at the hand of God in our life and we get scared. Lord, what in the world kind of guy is this? But if you're saved, you should say, praise the Lord, that's my God. That's my God who can still the waters and the wind. That's my God who can handle the storm. That's my God who can calm the sea. That's my God who did all these things. And as we said last week, the God is my God. And I love him and he loves me. This is the confidence of Christianity made possible by our Savior, Jesus Christ. You get those things figured out. You realize the Lord's at full rest and at full ability, even in the worst parts of the storm. And then you're left with just the only other factor that matters at all. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Do you have enough faith to let the Lord walk you through some storms and let other people see in you the mighty hand of God at work? Or are you the type of Christian that just needs everything to be totally and completely comfortable all the time? In other words, God's not good unless I'm happy. <laughs> I know a pastor named Rex Smith who uh, has become a friend over the, over the course of a few years here. And in his church, when he says, God is good, all the people say, all the time. And then he says, and all the time, and all the people say, God is good. I've seen that in a few other places. And uh, I think that's about the entire crux of it. With regard, with no regard given to where I may or may not be in my personal life, God is good. I might be going through something, and I might not understand it. 
And I might not have no, I might have zero contemplation inside my mind as how God could be good through this, but nonetheless, God is good because he's at peace in the storm. He has lost zero ability. And the only thing that restricts him at all is do I have faith in the storm for him to be my God and for him to be in complete and total control? I'm no prophet, and I am absolutely no foreteller of things to come, but if the Bible has any authority in my life, and it does, I'd like to say that it has all authority in my life. As I read through the Bible, I very much see a time coming, a storm coming, where we'll have to decide who we serve. So I want to encourage you as you go into a new year, remember who's in the boat with you. And if he's not worried, why in the world are you? Remember who told the wind and the sea to be still and be quiet. And remember that the only thing preventing his hand in your life is your faith in his hand. I'm going to end it right there and we're going to be done. I hope you have a wonderful new year. I hope you have a great time in the churches that you're serving the Lord in. And if you're not in a church, you're listening to this and you say, well, I know I'm saved, I have a relationship with God, but I'm not sure about a church. Folks, I'd encourage you, find a good local church and a local pastor and uh, get involved. And maybe maybe you're out there and you say, well, I I'm, I'm go to church, I've got a great pastor. Well, it wouldn't hurt to tell him. Say, hey, thanks for standing for the things of the Lord, praying for you. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer and be totally and completely finished, and we'll go about our way. Father, thank you so much for everything you've done. And as we face the challenges to come, some of the storms that we may not yet even understand, and pray that you'd help us, Father, to leave those things in your hands, to know that you're in the boat with us, that you're at rest, and that you're at no loss of ability, even though we might be at a loss of words, you certainly aren't. We leave all these things in your very capable hands and ask that you bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, folks, for listening, and I'll see you next time. God bless. Have a great day.